Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Lisa Geary is a speech-language pathologist in Yorktown, Virginia. She offers comprehensive speech and language therapy services to children of all ages. And at the time of this recording, she was celebrating her first year anniversary in private practice. And my goodness, what a year it's been. First, she joined the Start Your Private Practice program and started seeing her own private clients on the side of her job. She had a unique opportunity to rent space in her husband's dental practice, which she's almost starting to grow out of. Lisa is now in the Grow Your Private Practice program, where she recently posted that she's up to a full caseload with a steady stream of calls and referrals. She's officially started a waitlist and is looking to hire soon. She's working less and making significantly more than she was in her previous job. And now her dreams of expanding are no longer just dreams. They are her reality. I am so excited for Lisa. She's a wonderful example of what's possible in just one year. If you're looking to start your private practice on the side and then transition into full-time private practice relatively quickly, this is a perfect episode for you, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. All right, before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Yes, my name is Lisa Carey, and my location, I'm in Southeast Virginia, Yorktown, Virginia, which is right near Williamsburg, and not too far from Virginia Beach. A lot of people know those cities. And my practice name is Yorktown Therapy Services. I love it. I am so excited to have you on. And I'm particularly excited to be on at this time because you're celebrating a pretty special anniversary right now. Tell our listeners yeah. what you're celebrating. Yeah. So just had my one year anniversary of establishing Yorktown Therapy Services. And so we've had a lot of fun creating like a celebration video and looking back at where I've been and how far I've come in the past year. It's been really fun. I love it. 
So let's tell that story, right? Let's tell the story of how you got started. You can talk a little bit about either your career to the point and then when you started to think about private practice and then we'll go from there. How about that? Sure, sure. So I've been working as an SLP for a long time. It's been close to 30 years now and I've worked in a lot of different settings. Really been fortunate to have the opportunity to work in different settings that I've loved at different points in my life. And it was in uh, 2019 that I relocated to Virginia and I was working for an AAC vendor company, which I loved doing that work. And all that was going well. And I've always had private practice in the back of my mind as a side gig, but 2020 hit. I actually was also diagnosed with cancer during 2020. And so it really was a time for me to just kind of think about where I wanted to go, what was really important to me in life and the experiences I wanted to have ahead of me. And so working from home, I just realized that I wasn't so fulfilled in that role. I was really looking for the things that lit me up and got my heart excited about helping other people and working with families and working with children. That was just really calling to me at the time. And so about a year ago, I decided to create what I thought would be a side gig and I established Yorktown Therapy Services. And it wasn't too long before I realized I had an opportunity and this is it. I'm all in and I decided to pursue it pretty much full time. I did take a two day a week contract with a local school division to have some income while I started to grow my caseload, but pretty much I was all in and ready to grow. I love that so much. I love a lot of your story and I totally agree with you that between the pandemic and different health crises, I think we all have turning points in our lives where we think, is this what I meant to do? Is this what I like doing? You mentioned fulfillment and wanting to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. in your life and in your work. And so I'm so happy that you were able to make a private practice happen for yourself. And the other thing that I really liked that you said was that you had your job, you then ended up having a part-time job, a part-time contract to have that Mm -hmm. money in while you were building your practice. That's something I think a lot of people don't really think to do, but a lot of people in either of my programs really end up doing that just for the stability. Yeah, it made me feel comfortable with taking this leap, which I thought was a huge risk. I was giving up a full-time salary, giving up great health benefits and retirement funds. That was pretty scary, but I had a vision that was strong enough to really need me to take the leap. And then it just seemed smart to add a little bit of stability to that plan. Yeah, I love that. The other thing is too, listeners, when you're getting a new part-time job, like if you do what Lisa did and you like in your resume and whatever, you make it very clear that you have a private practice, mm-hmm. save some awkward conversations later, right? Like sometimes if you're working in one place and you start with clients on the side, which is truthfully what I teach people to do. And usually that works out pretty well. However, every now and then people get worried about their employer finding out or that kind of thing. And so they take a part-time job. And so again, I'm a, an honesty is the best policy kind of a person. And I think that it's really nice to go into a part-time job. It's saying you have a private practice, even if you don't have any clients yet, just to have that be kind of known. Yeah, and that's exactly what I did. I was very upfront like during my interview. I asked them just really 
straight out, I said, is this going to be a conflict of interest for you and for the division? I wanted to make sure that wasn't going to affect my work in either position. And it was really important to me to pursue a private practice, but I also wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing with the school division. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely love that. And so what happened next? You made this decision. You had your contract also. How did you get Mm -hmm. the clients? So the first clients were really word of mouth. Once I launched my website and announced my practice on Facebook, people were reaching out saying, hey, I've been looking for an SLP. We can't get in anywhere in my area. They're telling us it's going to be at least six months. Could you help us? And so I started getting some clients right away. And I should also say at the same time, I have a unique situation where I was able to open a brick and mortar place because my husband is a dentist and had recently expanded his practice and had extra rooms for me to convert into therapy rooms. And very quickly, we were turning dental operatories into children's therapy spaces and having a brick and mortar location wasn't essential, but I think it really helped to fuel the momentum that I was experiencing at the very beginning. And so that helped, I think, also to draw people in to have a location. Again, that's not essential. I was going to be able to do my practice either way, but it was really such a wonderful situation for me to partner with my husband and be able to use space here. I think that's fantastic. I have to ask, how did your husband feel about you starting your own private practice? Oh, he was very supportive. He was very excited. We had a lot of conversations before I jumped all in. Is this the right thing? What about our finances? And so he was the one that finally just encouraged me. You need to do this. This is lighting you up like I haven't seen in a very long time. And so let's just make it happen. And so he was right there beside me painting and helping convert the spaces. And every time patients would come in and he's working with them, he would explain, oh, my wife is here now on the other side of the building. And so it's actually brought in some referrals to me because people saw the signs and asked questions. And I have business cards in the waiting room. And it's been a nice partnership. And again, he's very supportive. I love that. And as you were telling that story, I was like, I think she's getting some referrals from the patients. That's fantastic. Definitely. People are like, I actually just got the phone number for somebody that came in that has an equine therapy center and is interested in partnering. Like she just happened to be connecting and talking with my husband. And so I had to give her a call. Like, who knows what that might turn into? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. And that opportunities come up. You have to put yourself out there. You have to be doing different mm-hmm. things that get your name out, that people see, they mm-hmm. hear. You're absolutely right. That could turn into something really cool. It could turn into yeah. nothing. It could re- turn into some referrals. Like who knows? Right. Great for us to keep our eyes open and be willing to at least consider opportunities that come our way. So my next question, this is a question that the listeners are always curious about, which has to do with payer sources. And so what types of payer sources do you accept for your private practice? Yeah, so I accept a variety of third-party and governmental insurances. I'm in network with several of them. I decided to just take the leap First, I thought it would be private pay only. And then I just kept feeling something tugged at me, like I really want to help these families that need to go through insurance. I was getting lots of phone calls every week 
And they were so interested and so excited. I've had the space, but for my area, people really need to go through insurance, especially children with significant special needs and some are medically fragile children. And that became something that I very quickly decided I want to do this. And I knew enough to know that I don't know enough about insurance. And so I decided from the get-go, it would be really worth my time to hire a credentialing company. So I did that and they took care of everything for me. And now I use them as my billing service too. So I'm able to take insurance and it's been quite easy. Because of that, I've been able to reach out to area pediatricians and they're all so excited that they didn't know about me. So they're so excited to find out about me and I'm getting lots of referrals from the different pediatric offices in the area. Again, it's about opening doors, right? Becoming known for something. Before we started recording, Mm -hmm. you were telling me that story and saying that that's one of the ways that differentiated yourself from other providers. So whether Mm -hmm. it's special, like a niche specialty or a specialization or certain hours that you work or before COVID when nobody did telepractice or like the equine Mm -hmm. therapy person, that's a very different kind of thing. But taking insurance is another way Self apart. For sure. And I actually had, there was another practice in the area that had decided to not take insurance anymore. It's just personal things going on in her life. And so she was stepping back from the insurance world and she heard about me. And so she even started sending referrals over to me. So I've got some of her clients that still needed to go through insurance. Yeah. It's not necessarily a niche, but it's what set me apart in my area. I had openings and I was able to accept these families who needed to go through insurance. I love that. Again, you just have to think about what is going to make you stand out and be different. And there's so many different ways for us to do that. And so listeners, you just have to think about what that's going to be for you. And then make sure that when you're thinking about your marketing, that you're always telling people whatever it is that you're differentiator, you want to make sure that other people know that. So also that they know to refer people for that. And so one of the the cool Mm -hmm. things that's happened is when you joined the Grow Your Private Practice program, like that's where I've really seen you start to flourish. Mm And you joined before you had your first anniversary, right? You still had the contract and it was before you were fully self-employed, right? So tell people what made you like make that decision really to go all in on your practice and also to join the group? Sure. So I was working, but I practice three days a week and I was doing two days a week in the schools. And I really loved both things. I've worked for a long time in public schools and it felt really great to be back in there with all the kids. And But it just wasn't what I really loved. I spent so much time in IEP meetings, writing progress reports and not actually helping kids. I'm working with groups of kids that are like four to six kids in a group. And the days that I was at my private practice, I just felt like it was really me. I was able to partner with families, able to help kids on an individual basis. And I was seeing just so much progress. And it was just where I felt like I could express a little bit of my creativity and the skills that I had. And I really wanted to make sure that I could do this full-time and not necessarily have to take on a contractual position again. So by January, I was like, okay, I'm going to finish up the year that I committed to and still very enjoyable. And 
it's great, but it's not where my heart was. So I'm going to, by June, when the school year ends, I'm going to be full-time in my private practice. And so then I joined the GROW program because I really wanted to just make sure I was doing everything correctly, like developing all the systems that you need to have in place so that as you grow, things are already set up and you're not having to revise or you're not making mistakes. And so that's where I was really excited because it helps give me that momentum and continue. And so June 9th was my last day in the schools. And it actually, I'm thinking now as I'm telling the story, on June 9th, I happened to be looking through my phone and I was looking at like some of the things that I had written in just like a little note app the year prior. So June 9th, 2021, I had written a little note to myself, find a new adventure. And then June 9th, 2022 was the day that I decided to do that adventure full-time. It was really neat to see that and have that memory come up. I love that. How cool yeah. that that coincided that not only did you write it, right? You declared mm-hmm. that. You declared plan, right? And then maybe you forgot about it for a little bit, but then still in motion. But to be able to see that really like a year later, what are the amazing chances that that would happen? And you must have felt so good when you saw that, that you had done it. Yeah, it really is such a great feeling to take something that's in your heart and you have this vision and to really spend a lot of time executing that plan and growing something from the ground up. And so looking back in June the prior year. And then in August, my one-year anniversary of establishing the practice, it really is just a wonderful feeling to see that growth and to know I made this happen because I was committed to it. I had the vision. I followed through. I had a plan. And so there's been a lot of progress. A lot of progress. One of my Mm -hmm. favorite quotes, this relates to what you just said, is that we overestimate what we can do in a day but we underestimate what we can do in a year. So what are some other things that you've been able to do in a year, right? Like kind of what does your private practice look like these days that you've spent the last year building? Like, where are you now, would you say? So I started out with just a couple of clients on the side, and now I've grown into just about a full-time caseload. I'm at the point now where I'm starting to think, I'm going to need to hire somebody soon. I definitely need to hire some sort of assistant. I think for to start, I'm going to be hiring my 16-year-old daughter to help out with some tasks that I could assign to her. But I would love to have a full-time assistant. And then I would love to expand into hiring additional SLPs and maybe OT soon because I'm at that point where... Yeah, yeah. Looking back, I went from a couple clients to now basically a full-time caseload. And I was looking back at my revenue, and my revenue has doubled pretty much every month or so. And from June to now, it, it's grown enough where I can say this is where I wanted to be. This is I went from something really scary, taking a leap of faith, to now I feel this, it's growing and it's continuing to grow and flourish. Oh my gosh. I love that for you. And I think that this is just another great example of someone who went for it and who's also mm-hmm. doing it the right way, right? Like one of the things like listeners, you have heard me say this, I'm a type B SLP, like systems, checklists, all those kind of things. I need them and I like them, but that they're not 
like my natural inclination. However, when it comes to growing a business, right? Like you can start a business and be like a little scattered and it usually still works out pretty well. But when it comes to growing, it really is important to embrace the idea of systems, right? Like if you think of, you can go to another city and go to a Panera Bread or a Starbucks or whatever. And it's pretty much the same experience, right? They have the same food. They have the same weight process of ordering, everything like that. So we know that businesses need systems to scale. And SLPs and OTs love to talk about how we hate to reinvent the wheel. And yet we're pretty good at it. And so when we're overworked and overtired and seeing all these clients, like you got to make some things easier for yourself. And systems is a major thing that differentiates like start level private practitioners from grow level private practitioners. Yeah. And it was really comforting to know, gosh, there's things out there that I can do that I really had no idea about KPIs and Like I never thought to write down what my intake process was, but it really makes sense because I realized I was starting to answer all these phone calls and get these referrals and I was handling each one a little bit differently. And so I learned, okay, I need to have this as a process. That way I can make sure I'm not letting anything slip through the cracks and making sure each parent that calls is getting the Yorktown Therapy Services service that everybody should get. And that was something that I learned to grow and just financial systems and being able to learn more about being a business owner versus a service provider. That was really key for me because my husband, the dentist, he's the same way, like we're helping professionals. And so it's not necessarily in our wheelhouse to be a really strategic business owner. And That's something that I've really grown in that area too, because I'm thinking more about the business person now unless I'm here to help you, which I'm still doing that part, but just working smarter and more strategically. That's right. And it's a big shift. When Mm -hmm. I first started my private practice, I remember my dad had always said, Jenna, you should do a private practice. And I was like, I don't know, dad, I'm not businessy. Like I just want to help people. And he really shared that It doesn't mean that if you own a business, like that you're not a helping people person. You can still be a helping people person at your core and with your heart who happens to run a business that's a wonderful heart-owned business, right? Like we all know terrible businesses out there. And it's like pretty rare that one of those people is a speech pathologist, first of all. And so you can run a heartfelt business. However, you still have to learn how to run a business. And so big Facebook group, the SLP Beginners Group, and I see a lot of mm-hmm. who have been doing this for a long time, but are really still struggling, right? There's just a couple of people who are always posting about they can't get clients, they have a hard time, they're overwhelmed, and yet they've been doing it for a really long time. And I think one of the reasons why they're continuing to struggle, honestly, comes down to two things. One is systems and not having systems. And the other is just not embracing that you do have to learn how to run a business, right? You don't have to have an MBA. You don't have to have a background in business. But if you're going to run a successful business, you do have to learn how to run a business. And that was something that I was nervous about. But having like just this roadmap to success ahead of me and being able to connect with other people was really helpful. I was able to connect with at least one other SLP in my state. And so we were able to... um, brainstorm about state-specific types of issues. And that's been extremely helpful to have a network of professionals. 
I love that. So what is your plans going forward? You just had your one year anniversary. What do you see for yourself other than maybe hiring the next six months or let's just say the next year? What do you think your second year is going to be like? Gosh, I hope that I'm continuing to grow and hire because again, I do have those big dreams where I would love to outgrow this space and I would love to have more tools that will help the children that I work with, like the motor room and other staff to support them besides just speech language pathology. But I think that the next six months, I will be really refining. Now that I've grown to full-time status, I'd like to really make sure that is running smoothly, focus more on my finances. In terms of, I've just recently worried about profit first. In that whole system where you're making sure that you have money for your expenses and you have money to go into your business, but you're also making sure that you save your profits. That's something I'll be looking. I just want to learn more about all of that, about how to run a business and making sure that I'm doing it well. And so it's a really healthy business that can continue to grow. Yeah, because guess what happens? If it's not right, then you can't help people. The whole reason you got it is to help people. And if all of a sudden your your finances are suffering, you don't have enough profit and you have to close, that means that you weren't able to fulfill on your dream of helping people. And so I think that's really important to eat. And SLPs and OTs are so worried about numbers. Numbers freak me out too. But you have to learn what are the important ones to know the health of your business, right? Because there are some extremely healthy SLP and OT private practices that are doing very well from a profitability point of view, right? And you obviously don't want to become one of the ones that's not. And so being proactive about your finances is really important. And I'm really happy that's one of the things that we emphasize in the GROW program is making sure that people have that healthy profit so that you can have a great salary, so that you can do vacation with your family, so that you can reinvest in your business, have money to hire, all those kind of things. For sure. All that's part of the dream that I have. And it's definitely something that I'm going to continue to work on. I love it. Lisa, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. And I hope everyone who's listening is so inspired hearing what you were able to accomplish in one year And knowing that this is just your first of many years, and I think we'll all be looking forward to hearing the Where Is She Now episode with Lisa, maybe next year, where we see how you've grown your business and perhaps you've moved out of your husband's dental suite. We'll see. We'll see, for sure. Don't you just love Lisa? I love how she wanted to have a private practice and she just went for it. And that she's growing quickly because of the need in her area. She had a dream and she took the necessary steps to reach it. And now she's expanding beyond her wildest dreams. And I'm so excited for her, for her clients, and for her community. Lisa is an alum of the Start Your Private Practice program and a current member of the Grow Your Private Practice program, where she routinely posts her wins or level ups as we call them. If you would like our help to start or grow your speech or occupational therapy private practice, just like we helped Lisa, please visit independentclinician.com to learn more about our programs. As always, thank you for listening and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast.
Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.